Good morning. Welcome to the We Are Driven podcast, where we equip you with the tools to succeed in your pursuit of excellence in business, fitness, and cars. This is episode 60. My name is Arun Kumar, and I am the driver, and I am here with my co-host, Dan LaRue. How are you, Dan? I'm doing great. How about yourself, Arun? I'm good. I had to scramble last minute here for my podcasting equipment, which I have potentially upgraded. We'll have to see after the recording. <laughs> All right. And because yeah, uh, I know that you've like been kind of iffy about this mic. It at least is what you told me. It it hasn't been particularly like functional <laughs> for me, but <laughs> but I think I've figured out the setup for it that's gonna work. Okay. So All I'm right. happy about that. And if you're happy about that, listeners, and you think I sound better, then how about you tell us? How about you go on your phone right now and you search me or Dan up on Instagram or you text us if you have our numbers and you say, hey, Arun's mic sounds really good and he should buy one for Dan. Or you say, hey, Arun, go back to that old microphone. So we'll see. We'll see what the people have to say. And if you like it, then you could also leave us a lovely five-star review on Spotify or Apple Podcasts. Because every time you do that and every time you share this podcast with one friend who you think needs to become more driven... The whole community grows and we all get better for it. We're here to lead by example. Every single one of us that adopts the driven mindset leads by example. So if you join us, you are creating a better community around you for the world. And I very much appreciate every single person who even a little bit adopts that. With all that said, Dan, do you have a fun fact for us today? Yeah. I was, you know, reading some auto news this morning. So auto news, fun fact, because I know Arun loves them so much. Yes. <laughs> Google has announced uh, a new in-car app integration that's including Zoom, which I... <laughs> what? Which I could, you know what? It makes a little bit of sense, you know, for, for the travelers going to meetings. But the second one in this headline has me baffled. Prime Video. Both of those have me back. Both of those involve video. I, I know. I know. But like, like Zoom, I could get behind for like the audio purposes. Like, sure. For, but the, sure. You can call into Zoom calls. I, I, I agree. Um, but Prime Video? Yeah, I'm scared. And, oh, and the Weather Channel, which that'd be kind of cool to see the Doppler on your, on your car screen. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you just get this very colorful storm. Uh, that you're yeah, trying that, to that sounds that sounds terrifying because like I've seen people literally have the suction cup mounts in their phone like in their field of view, and oh yeah, and they're watching movies and shit while they're driving. And I'm like, how do you do that? Like, yeah, I, I, like I would probably kill people. I I do that. So admittedly, I do that, but only on really long road trips when yes. there's nobody on the road. Yes, and I'm yep. on the freeway, and it's a straight, straight, straight road forever. Yeah, my boss was notorious for that, but he would turn on like chopped or something, some cooking thing, <laughs> just, just to have like something in the background. But it, like, it's, it's entertaining and you don't really have to watch every single second of it. Right. Yeah. And he had it on an iPad and he'd like set it in the center of his dash in his truck. Yeah. All right. I get it. But yeah, Prime Video, I like knowing my phones or not my phone, my car screen in my car. Oh, that'd be distracting as hell. Like, no way. Yeah, and you actually, this is a thing that you can get. I don't know if it's as popular on Audis, but it's very popular on BMWs to reprogram your iDrive to be able to play Netflix. Um, I have not seen anybody successfully do that in my year of Audi. Okay, yeah. Yeah, it, it, I, though, it was popular I in like the 2010s for BMWs. Yeah, Um, I know... Uh, a friend of mine did it in his brand new F two fifty, and it was cool. Yeah, it was really cool. I'm like, all right, this it works. was just like, it was just like this little like control box thing, and that's all it was. And it, you you do have to like take apart the dash though to get it in, right? Yeah, I don't know on that. I didn't look that far into it. Other than I was like, I'm watching Netflix in a truck. <laughs> 
really comfortable seats, all of it. Anyways, let's move on to bring a trailer. And first of all, I have to apologize to the audience because we forgot to update everybody on last week's performance and the cars that we were guessing on two weeks ago. Um, so let's do that first. So Dan gave me a 911 Safari last week and the week before he gave me a Toyota pickup. Yep. The Safari, I guessed 130,000 and it went for 153,000. So not too far off, but you know, not that close either. I, you know, I didn't really think 150 for that, but hey, someone wanted it for it. There are the the best one ever, I think, was 190. Oh, really? Okay. Yeah. So they are worth something. But it gets into some of the really technical Porsche engine and transmission and body panel stuff that I don't know everything about. So right. I'll be okay with my guess on that. I was very wrong, however, on the Toyota pickup. Uh, we both was a, were very wrong. Yeah. Let's be clear. <laughs> so my my guess was 11500 and it went for $25,250. And so I was off by 54%. <clears throat> so my average delta from the actual hammer price is 37%. Now, Dan had a really good last couple of weeks. Dan had the Boss 302 with 450 miles on it couple of weeks ago and he guessed 45,000 and it went for 41,302 dollars yeah. <clears throat> which is 9%. And then last week I gave him the TT 225 Quattro 6-speed and your guess was the actual bid at that time which was $10,000 but it ended up going for $13,055. Okay. All right, so not too much more. Yeah, but that one was cool, and I've chosen a car today that fits into the same category where the auction ends soon after we record these podcasts, <laughs> and so I just leave the tab open for the day right, and, right. and refresh it, and I get to see the notifications every time a new bid comes in, and it's all exciting, <laughs> and then I text Dan about it. <laughs> yeah, I, I was looking this morning, and I was baffled to see it. A, a few cars. I'm like, why are they so cheap with such little time? <laughs> so I'm like, man, it's I'm dangerous, gonna, I'm isn't it? Bidding. Yeah, because there's like, yeah. there's a 2003 RS6 on here to, this morning that is at like 5100 bucks in a day left. I'm like, <laughs> why but, is it so cheap? I've seen these so, go for like sixty. Do you have your account and your credit card information? Heck, in no, I don't. Trailer? No, <laughs> <laughs> I have gotten that far. I don't want to be divorced by tomorrow. <laughs> <laughs> Because uh, yeah, you know, so I'd be bidding on this '98 Skyline. <laughs> yeah, God, I remember. I could have imported some of those from London into the U.S. right when they were 25 years old. I should have done that. Anyways, okay. So the the TT 23% off. Dan, your average across all of our guesses so far is 26%. So you're doing pretty well. Doing all right. Now this week. Dan, for you, I have something that I believe is an interesting car. That's okay. all I'll say about it. Oh. And it's interesting because they're not very common. At the time, I thought they looked insane. But in retrospect, they don't. Okay. <laughs> and, you know, this I was a kid when this car came out, and I have an interesting memory of it once I was sitting in the passenger seat of my mom's minivan my mom was driving and I turned around and I saw one of these at a stoplight at an intersection behind us. And I yelled out, Oh my God, it's a Cadillac XLR. You, and you know, you know, <laughs> you're going to find this really comical. Did you pick the same car? I picked the same car. <laughs> oh, you want this? <laughs> no, no. Well, yes, but no, uh, I think an XLR would be, really cool to uh convert <laughs> to like an actual corvette like uh, in that year like, go, like, yeah. like swap the drivetrain whole nine i think it'd be, be really cool, cool. They, they should have done that in my opinion but like yeah. If, yeah if you put like a 427 in there and made a drag car of an xlr that'd be so cool 
That would be uh, okay. Uh, fair my, enough. my reasoning for picking this was because it was literally the direct competitor of the damn Thunderbird that shows up everywhere <laughs> in my life now. So I was going to try and get some payback and you had to choose the same, same dang car. Luckily, I have a backup. All right, good. <laughs> <laughs> it's not hard to find a backup lumber no. trailer. Okay, so 12,000 miles, 2005 XLR in red. Common color. Four yeah. hours. <laughs> yeah, uh, this one, magnet ride. Yeah, these were I mean, cool I don't cars, know but where is cars. Los Molinos, California. I don't know. Anyways, North Star V8, the gem of an engine, North Star V8 with a five-speed automatic red over shale power hard top 18. so what you're telling me this thing leaks from the rear main from the factory i i do not make any further comments on the reliability <laughs> of the north star engine uh but yeah i if, with the hard top up i like these i'm just not I a convertible too. person really yeah but it looks like it's in good shape one owner and the current bid is seventeen thousand five hundred, and there's four hours left in the auction. So, Dan, what do you think? You know, I'm going through these photos right now. It's leaking. <laughs> is it really? Yeah, they have pictures yeah. of the engine on Picture here. Picture one eighty four. You can see drips across. Oh. Yeah, funny. Um, man. Oh yeah, you can. <laughs> it's doing North Star things. Uh, man, I don't know with this one. Seventeen five already seems expensive for this. <laughs> <laughs> for basically, um, what's a rolling shell is what you're gonna use it. I uh, yeah, I'd have to buy a clapped out one to have some fun with it. Um, because I I really do. I think that'd be an awesome platform to do it what that car should have been in my opinion um because the north star was so crappy um four hours to go i'm gonna go 19.5 okay mostly because people have been bidding on it this morning specifically one person three times in a row no, he he bid, got outbid, mm. he bid again, got outbid. Got it. Then that got person it. got outbid, and then he bid again. So, yeah, somebody wants it. Yeah, for some reason, the guy named Blamus wants it. <laughs> All right. What's your backup, Dan? So my backup is a 1980... No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> I no, won't give you, won't give you an 80s car. Yeah. <laughs> um, and then I, I was really looking at a Porsche... But since I did a Porsche last week, I was like, nah. So we're going with a 2000 Dodge Viper RT10. 27,000 miles. It is like a bluish gray color. Like, I guess they call it vapor steel gray. Uh, That's hot. It's not the desirable year of Viper, but uh, it's still a Viper. Still a V10. Uh, they're designed to kill you, and this so one's this no is, exception. Is this the Gen One Viper? I think so. I don't. I can't ever get them straight. What years were the Gen One and Gen Two? Because this is a V10, which yes. I thought the V10s only came in the SRT tens. Mm-mm. But this is an RT10. Yep. So I didn't actually know this existed. Yep. Yeah, because oh, if it I says remember, Gen Two in the yeah in the comments here. Yeah, so Gen Two, yeah, so Gen Two is not the desirable year for these. These are these are the most murdery. Yeah, the most murdery, and they essentially they're not finished. Like there's so many like plasticky parts, and like I if I remember right, like you can't open the door with. The hard top on or something like that. I can't remember what what the stick was with the like door. There are no there are no door handles on the <laughs> outside. Yeah, yeah. It's really really bonkers of a car. I like it. Right. Though. I I would drive the crap out of it. So I think this one is going to go for forty five. Forty five. Okay. Forty. That's what that's what I would pay for it. 
I I wouldn't right now, but if I just felt like owning a Viper, this one sounds <laughs> like one that I would buy for 45. Right. But I wanted it. So did you ever play Midtown Madness? You yes. Didn't. Yeah. Did you play Midtown Madness 3? With the SRT Viper, mm-hmm. I, it rings a bell, but I don't remember playing it. So the fastest cars in that game were the Lotus Esprit Turbo, okay, the Viper SRT10, and then the Koenigsegg CCX, like the original Koenigsegg. Oh yeah, or maybe wait, CCR or CCX? Yes, yeah, yes. <laughs> maybe it's both. I think, yeah, the CCR. Or no, it, maybe it was the original, the CC8S. Yes, yeah, I don't yeah, know enough totally about Koenigsegg was. other than the Agera. Okay, it was the Koenigsegg CC8S. Okay. Town Madness. Now I just want to make sure here. Yes, that's that's what it was. Okay, so, but this one, the SRT10 was the second fastest car. And I thought that was so cool that... I mean, and basically in that game, you were set in either DC or Paris. And I loved driving the American V10 muscle car (laughs) in Paris and just pissing off everybody. Right. Yeah, 45. I think that'll go for 45. Okay. All right. No bids since the 12th. So I hope you're right. (laughs) I think it'll go up. Yeah, with a couple hours ago, someone will, someone will want it. For what, 70 what, or something. What, <laughs> what I think is really cool about this car specifically, it's not red. <laughs> <laughs> like, I wish it had the white stripes, though. I like the white stripes. Yeah, like usually you see these, at least at Gen 2, almost always in red, and then black right behind it. Yeah, yeah, I'll give or, you that. And then, and then yellow. Like you really, yeah, the, uh, yellow, I don't think I've think ever seen common. that color on a Viper ever. Yeah. Yeah, that's fair. All right. So the meat of today's episode is going to center around a presentation that I witnessed last week. So just a bit of background. I partner with an investment banking firm called Schwartz Advisors and Schwartz Advisors is an automotive aftermarket specialized mergers and acquisitions and strategy consulting firm full of basically the industry veterans of the automotive industry. And there are a bunch of guys who have been CEOs and board members and high up executives in a variety of different automotive aftermarket companies, all the way from people manufacturing brake rotors and brake pads, all the way to parts distribution businesses, shop owners, the former CEO and chairman of CarQuest, the former chairman of the board of WorldPack, really big name people in this organization. And I am very proud to partner with them. Now, Schwartz Advisors puts on a conference every year and we co-sponsor it with another investment bank called Piper Sandler. So these two investment banks basically collaborate to put on a automotive themed conference for the investors and companies in the industry to come together and learn about where we're at, what the talking heads of the industry think is going on, what the future holds, and what is happening in terms of strategy and consolidation and changes in the industry. So we had presentations from the CEOs of a variety of different body shop chains, different oil changing chains. We had presentations from a bunch of service disruptors in the industry who are creating new technology and AI and all sorts of different very cool technology that is bringing the industry forwards. And there was a presentation called The Future of Dealer Service, which wasn't, it wasn't necessarily the perfect title, but the future of, let's just say, service in general and where car ownership is going, we're seeing 
some predictions coming from a man named Steve Greenfield, who is a general partner in a venture capital firm called Automotive Ventures. He's based in Georgia, and he put together a pretty lengthy presentation predicting the future of our automotive ownership experience. And as I was listening to this presentation, I thought that there is no better person who I want to talk about this presentation with than Dan LaRue. Heck yeah. <laughs> so, this, uh, th this presentation you sent me really threw me for a loop. Yeah, I started so, going through it. So there's a lot in here. It's like 70 slides. Yeah. And we do not have time to cover 70 slides today, but so we're going to cover three. And just to give a flavor to the audience, because obviously you will not be seeing these slides. And really, this is a pretty proprietary presentation, so I can't really like give you the whole thing or share a recording or anything like that. But I think these three slides are more uh, news headline clippings that Steve was putting some commentary around, which is great. And it was it was a very, very insightful presentation, and I'm very glad I was there to hear it. But I have some opinions, and I know Dan does too. And yes. so we're going to discuss those opinions on a few of Steve's slides. So with that, let me read the first one that we chose to cover here. So this is an article from The Drive, <clears throat> and the headline is this. Mercedes makes better performance a $1,200 subscription in its electric vehicles. The $1,200 yearly fee increases horsepower and torque while dropping 0 to 60 times for all Mercedes EQ electric models. This was in November of 2022. Dan, what do you think about subscription-based performance? So, it's absolutely wrong on so many levels. Um, and I, I say this because the performance side isn't just the only thing that they're turning into this subscription-based model um, on some vehicles. Like even the slide before, it talks about heated seats going to subscription models with BMWs. Um, yeah, I think it's a crock of shit. Like you, you're going to spend anywhere from uh, for a Mercedes electric vehicle, you're probably paying a hundred grand for it. And you're telling me you're going to dump six figures into a depreciating asset and you're not getting it's 100% capability of what it is like that. That's what you're telling me. <laughs> yeah. So the thing, here's an interesting comparison. Basically Steve in his commentary basically said, this is how people are used to paying things for now, paying for things now. People are used to paying a monthly fee to access something. However, unlike a piece of software where you rely on a software provider to unlock an additional seat that you have to subscribe to or something like that yeah, for your software subscription, which, yeah, it costs them maybe one penny to unlock that seat mm -hmm. and provide additional customer service and additional server hosting or whatever. But you're paying, you know, $50 a month for that seat or $20 a month, whatever it is. That's where software companies are extremely profitable. Mm -hmm. And that is, that is now what uh, these car manufacturers are trying to do. The problem is, is, while Tesla may have come out and said, we are a software company that makes cars, at the end of the day, there's still this very, very obvious physical element to cars that you cannot hide. No. And so when you tell somebody that you are going to lock away their heated seat or their performance, where in the past, this was something that a tuner could solve very easily... You could just pay a tuner and they could tune your car to unlock better performance from an engine by changing around code in the ECU that changed the optimization of the vehicle, which, yeah, manufacturers do have to adhere to tons of regulations. They are trying to balance the competing priorities of a billion different types of consumers. 
And so, yeah, you, you can get a tuner that is going to prioritize your fuel efficiency and your performance and do it better than the manufacturer could from the factory. However, when it's a clear locking away of something that your car is physically capable of doing and you are basically just being told no, <laughs> I don't think people are going to stand for it. No. And like for me, I'm tired of subscriptions anyway. Yeah. And like I could have like Google Maps in my car as it is now, but they want like 800 bucks a year for Google Maps. I'm like, why? I'm not going I to have it on that. my phone. <laughs> yeah, right. I'll just plug in my CarPlay, but then they're going to make CarPlay subscription based watch because of that, you know. Um, but yeah, in the slide after this one, because you brought up Tesla, you know, they talk about how the Model S and the X have the same battery, but you're locked away from the range via software. I'm like, you're paying for the same damn thing. Why are they not the same? <laughs> and it's. It is very frustrating because basically what they're saying is, you know, we we put this here. It cost us the same amount either way. But mm -hmm. if you want it, you got to pay for it. Right. I don't know. That doesn't that doesn't work for me. No. And this is my opinion when it comes to this idea of subscription based vehicle stuff. It should be illegal. It it should be illegal for auto manufacturers to put this stuff on cars or in cars, have somebody buy it, and then make them pay for it again. It, right. It, it, it just, that's double dipping in my opinion, and it, it should not be legal. Hmm. Just you probably know opinion. more about what double dip, like the implication, is that a thing? That uh, I, I just is think illegal? it's, I'm, I, I, I don't know if there's any legal legalities around double dipping, but to me, it's de it's deceptive marketing. Yeah, it it's like the problem is is you can do it with software because software is a societally accepted thing that you can't actually replicate. Right. But when you're giving me a powertrain or a seat and telling me that I can't unlock all of its features. I'm just going to go get a different seat. Right. I don't want your I don't want to pay you, especially on a monthly basis. Right. So you, it's like my car it has massaging seats. You're telling me that I would have to pay 50 bucks a month to press the button on the side of my seat to turn the massagers on. Okay. Correct. I'll just go buy an aftermarket one and, and do it for, for a couple hundred bucks. So you just, the word you just said is so key to this is aftermarket is going to crush on 100%. Whole, all the restyling related products where right now somebody doesn't want to pay the factory or the dealer for leather seats. They just go get leather seats. Yeah. It's, it's going to be that, but it's going to be, Hey, do you want to pay once or do you want to pay on every month as the thing wears out? Right. <laughs> yeah. If I oh, want to pay for something monthly, I'll just go load up a few thousand dollars onto a credit card. Yeah. <laughs> like, come on. But also software, software doesn't get old. They can push software updates all day long. You can't do that with a physical heated seat. No. Like what? How do the warranty implications work? If you're only paying. So here was one of the things that Steve said if you only need a heated seat for half the year because it's only cold half the year, then it's great because you don't have to pay for it for the other half of the year. Unless you're lock, locked into a contract. Well, that's, yeah, part of the implications and stuff that they still need to work out with this business model. But what if you come to October, November, and your seat heater doesn't work anymore because your car is 10 years old? Like, how long do these subscriptions last? Why is this a sustainable business model at all? I don't think it is. No, th this, is, this is a fad that they're clearly trying to lock into for some more GP on their bottom line. Yep. Which, okay, you know, I'm all about money. This is, this is dumb. This is a clear violation of a consumer's intelligence. Like uh -huh. if you if you <laughs> if this you don't is why understand, I think it should be illegal. It, there, well, this is where it's so hey Dan, this is our opportunity 
<laughs> in the aftermarket to do it better. A hundred percent, yeah. Because even if it's a $5,000 thing to replace all of the seats in your car with non-subscription-based heated seats or swap out your electric motor in your Mercedes for the high-performance one in fully unlocked mode, we're going to win because you can't stop some of these engineers. I know some freaking psychos out there that will stay awake for 72 hours at a time to break a piece of code. Like I know there's a guy who's cornered the Kia market, the Kia Hyundai market for tuning. Oh, for the, for the theft stuff? No, no, for tuning. Oh, just tuning? Okay. So he'll take a Stinger GT or a a Veloster N or an Elantra N and he'll mm-hmm. get 300 horsepower out of those little four cylinders or he'll get like 500 horsepower out of a Stinger. Okay. It's awesome. But it took him like a week straight of sitting. Uh, this dude is insane. John from Torque. I don't know if you'll ever listen to this, but yeah, you're <laughs> crazy. I would spend a lot of time just listening to you blather on about tuning and ecu software that i did not understand but you kept talking anyways (laughs) and i love you for it because you you are what makes this industry keep going so Mm -hmm. (laughs) because those trailblazers out there that are are these psycho engineers (laughs) that won't won't tolerate not knowing how something works and so you give them a physical subscription thing and then you give they will they will get the software. They will open up the boards. They will yeah. find a way to reprogram your shit whether we're paying you or not. So well, I don't really care. It's, it's no different than the conundrum with the Ford Mustang tuning for the next generation. Uh-huh. Like like the the tuners out there are already like trying to crack that code and turn off the automatic updates from Ford. Right. So. Yeah. Yeah. So, so. It, and it's always going to be that way. And there are people putting out less motors in Teslas. Yeah. So yeah, that's you know, true. You can't you can't stop us. <laughs> no. And yeah, these subscriptions, although it may make sense from a business perspective, although consumer behavior may influence this, the problem is is that you get to a point where you're asking us to subscribe to something that we can physically see, and is is on the side of these on the other side of these artificial bars that you just put up in front of us and we're just going to cut them down. Yeah. Because culturally the people who want that kind of stuff that's what we're going to do. Yeah, I I can ignore my my Netflix app for, you know, a few weeks. I can't ignore the thing I use every day. The gas you know, pedal. to get around. <laughs> yeah. Like I, yeah. I can't ignore that. It's, it you know, it's a big purchase to be out a lot of your car yep yep and and um you've probably heard of it poverty buttons mm-hmm. have you heard of that so you know there are some cars the base 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 models of have provisions for the buttons that should do some of the things that the higher trim levels do oh yeah there, there's um, a there's a piece in my uh my center council it's usually where the dealership will put the key and uh, it's actually where the convertible buttons would be for an S5. Oh, <laughs> that's weird. That's that's yeah. not even a poverty thing. That's just yeah. a different car. <laughs> uh, it's still more expensive than what I have. Well, but do you want an S5? No, not an S5 convertible. <laughs> I can tell you that. Yeah. <laughs> but yeah, I, my my uh, my steering wheel doesn't have any blank buttons, unfortunately. It doesn't have? No, they're all taken. Why is that? Why is that uh, unfortunate? That's great. Good for uh, you. Cuz cuz I can't say I have any poverty buttons. That's not <laughs> a that's not a claim to bragging rights. <laughs> it's okay that you don't have any poverty buttons. Huh. Do it's I have fault? any? I don't think so. I you know, like the, I have the uh exhaust brake and all the auxiliary switches mm. in my F250. <laughs> yep. <laughs> okay. So that was slide number 1. We're uh, we're coming in hot on slide number two. The other one that drove me insane. So this <laughs> is this is the headline of this slide is reduced number of components in EVs, and it's got two diagrams on it, and it says an internal combustion engine vehicle has two thousand moving parts, including engine components and gaskets, ignition belts and tensioners, radiator, exhaust, and that's all on this list on the, on the diagram that is a moving part of an internal combustion engine vehicle 
It also so, has some additional labels on the diagram, including wiper blades, exterior and interior light bulbs, dis- suspension and steering components, CV shafts and driveline, wheel bearing and seals, brakes, rocker panels and body parts, and shocks. Yeah, so I thought that this slide was deceptive. Because of what I just outlined yeah. for people? Yeah. yeah, because, you know, you look left to right. Okay, uh, an EV has shocks, whether they're magnetic or traditional. They have rocker panels and other body parts. They have brakes. They have wheel bearings and seals. I think most of them have CV shafts of some sort (laughs) or some sort of driveline piece. Mm -hmm. They have suspension and steering products. They don't have an exhaust. I'll give them that one. They don't have a radiator. They do have light. Do they have radiators? They have cooling systems. Okay. I don't know if it's radiators specifically, but they do have cooling systems. Okay. Close enough. They do have exterior and interior light bulbs. They don't have belts and tensioners. At least that I'm aware of. I don't know an electric motor well enough. Yeah, I don't think so. Um, Ignition tune-up. I know you can do stuff with electric motors, but sure. We'll give them that one. I'll give ICE that one. Yeah, engine components and gaskets. uh, I mean, same thing. You have electric motors and, you know, they still have parts inside of them. And also electric cars, believe it or not, have wiper blades. Well, so, and but I will devil's advocate the the electric motors have I believe something like one or two moving pieces in them. Yeah, it's not much, but they still do have some sort of component to them. It's not. It's yeah. not. They don't have you know six pistons and rods, right? You know, they have eight because every car should be a V eight. Anyways, <laughs> uh, so so my point is, um, I thought this slide was extremely deceptive because everything on the left that they're saying is a problem is also on the right (laughs) just for our for our listeners on the left is the internal combustion engine vehicle and on the right is the ev vehicle chart so on the right just for full comprehension of this slide we have a uh, a skateboard uh, the basically four wheels and a battery pack with some motors between the axles we have an electric traction motor, a controller, an inverter, an onboard charger, a transmission, which is interestingly Interesting. not on the internal combustion side. <laughs> yeah, well, and specifically because I, I know Teslas don't technically have a transmission, or is that what I they're calling their electric motor? I don't know what they're referring to. Maybe it's a some sort of electrical transmission of electricity. Like it's uh, a different. Yeah, I don't know. That's weird to me. Anyways, we let's not unveil quite how ignorant we are. Uh, charging port, traction battery pack, and auxiliary battery. So there's a lot that still needs to be done on these cars, and we just haven't seen them really age yet. They're Model S's, like the 2017, 20, well, okay, 20, like we have some Model S's that are 10 years old now. I we can do another podcast once we've done the research on how much maintenance those have required over 10 years and however many hundreds of thousands of miles. I do know there are some pretty high mileage Model S's out there. I don't know how much of the software continues to work over that period of time and I also don't know what all where components are needing to be replaced on those vehicles over time. Yeah. But I will admit there aren't 5,000 mile oil changes. There aren't 10,000 mile oil changes. There aren't whatever (laughs) number of thousand of mile oil changes you decide to do. Uh, There is, there is heightened tire wear. We just rotated the tires on our model three yesterday. It has 10,000 miles and the rear tires are definitely about 70% to the wear bars. (laughs) Dang. Yeah. I haven't been very kind to that car. <laughs> <laughs> and I know my my wife has a bit of a heavy foot too. That's okay. Um but yeah, so so yeah, there probably will be fewer overall visits to a shop for maintenance yeah, on your car. It, it, and I agree with that too. I, I 
yeah, you're definitely not going to have to replace, you know, those wear items more, you know, more often the oil transmission fluid, um, air filters, all that jazz. Like, yeah, I got that part. That makes sense to me. Um, but what happens when your electric motor fails or your battery fails? Yeah, we hear, so then, then, then we hear about the guy on YouTube who blew up his Tesla because it, the battery was worth more than the car. Dang. <laughs> yeah. Did you not, did yeah. you not hear about that? No. Oh, yeah. There, there was a disgruntled guy about a year ago had a Model S and uh, his battery crapped out. Mm-hmm. And uh, Tesla told him how much the battery was and it was worth more than what the S was. Mm. So he just blew up his Model S <laughs> with, with dynamite. That's very YouTube. Yeah, it's on YouTube. Do you remember people br- taking baseball bats to their video game consoles? Oh, yeah. For the views? Yep. Destroying my Xbox 360. <laughs> I hate this thing. And the thumbnail is a destroyed Xbox. It's like, oh, right. Man. Yep. I'll watch this. I watched like one of those. <laughs> All right. So I think he- here's what I will say about this. It has a point. This slide has a point. I don't agree with all of the labeling on it because both engine, gas engine cars and EVs have wiper blades. And when I saw this presentation on the screen at the summit, I was like, what is he talking about? A wiper blades? Why even put that there? That discredits the slide. But he does have a point that there are a reduced number of moving parts. There are less things to leak. There are less fluids involved, but there are still things that will wear out and we should do some more research and gather more data as it continues to proliferate through our automotive society on how much repair and maintenance these electric vehicles need, because that will dictate a lot of our future ownership experience is what does your service and repair look like? Mm hmm. Okay, the third slide we decided to talk about here. This is from automotivenews.com and the headline reads, GM and Stellantis, which if you don't know, Stellantis is... of the Fiat Chrysler Group and Peugeot? That sounds right. I know know it was a French company. I know that much. Yeah. I just don't remember (laughs) which one it was. (laughs) Yeah, Peugeot. Yeah, that sounds right. Okay, so anyways, GM and Stellantis tell a U.S. court they can't comply with updated Massachusetts right-to-repair law. <clears throat> in separate briefs, security executives, cybersecurity executives from GM Stellantis said the automakers cannot implement the law's requirements safely and have taken no steps towards compliance. <sighs> so, this is and another. It, this is huge. Now, granted, this article is almost a year old. Um, and those listeners who may not follow this closely, um, right to repair laws are kind of like a hot topic right now and they've been being implemented everywhere um in in droves um we as you know customers of these manufacturers have our right to repair our vehicles on our own we shouldn't have to go to the back to the manufacturer to fix it it's our property we should be able to fix it how we want to i should be able to take my car to a rune shop and let him do his thing (laughs) Like, yeah, and we sh- we as the shop should have access to the data in order to repair them properly. We need to know how this thing was put together. We don't need to know your your you know patents and your secret sauce for engineering certain things, but we do need to know how to put it together. And that is a very fine line. Mm-hmm. And now that so the reason for this is again because vehicle manufacturers are becoming software companies who need to protect the ability to not be hacked 
Yep. So that's really what this comes down to is these cars They're- with safety systems that the National Highway and Transport Safety Administration <laughs> relies <laughs> on and mandates on every car cannot be hacked, but also need to be repaired. Mm-hmm. Because what if you get rear-ended and your backup camera is damaged? Right. Or you could hack your backup camera. Right? Yeah. Somebody could hack your backup camera and and distort the picture so that you rear end you you back into something that you couldn't see or it's a static image and you don't realize it and you back into something. Or it could be somebody repairing it and calibrating it properly but they can only do so with the correct information from the manufacturer. Mhm. I have an idea for them. Tell me. Quit putting software in cars. <laughs> it's nothing but a distraction anyway. Okay, well, is it? I mean, we just talked about an article. Useful. Well, yeah. I'm sure there's statistics on how many uh, accidents they prevented, but, you know, just in general, um, people rely on the software too much, you know, more Correct. now than ever. Correct. And um, they should just stop. I just read an that article was... about them putting Amazon Prime in in their freaking head units. <laughs> like, just stop. If in you the, he- if in you... the heads up display, <laughs> yeah. If if you're gonna openly like tell the U.S. government that you are not going to comply with right to repair laws, then don't put it in the car. <laughs> well, this is where lobbying power, unfortunately, is just so big. You've got these giant companies that think they're above the law that protects the consumer we don't need to get any more into government but i think it's interesting to think about that yeah um okay so you did also bring something else up which was on the collision ceo panel at this summit multiple times people mentioned the fact that we have total faith in adas basically we do. safety systems yeah to create the same number of crashes as there are currently happening on the road oh so they're saying that it's not uh, lovely yeah lovely and, yeah that... and that's because people rely on it too much and it's not actually good enough to supersede a human's ability to save themselves <laughs> i ignore mine I'll be still yeah. in the gas watching someone on the brakes taking a right-hand turn and it's yelling at me to brake. I'm like, nope, I'll make it. Yep. <laughs> like, yeah, because... And, and nine times out of ten, I never touch the brakes. Right, <laughs> like, yeah. Shut up, ass. Yeah. I almost got rear-ended yesterday, actually, because somebody was... Uh, no, that's a long story. I won't get into that. <laughs> I almost got rear-ended yesterday because of a cyclist and somebody making a right turn. Oh, all right. Anyways, uh, so what do you think though about I mean is is getting rid of software in cars a realistic no, of course it's thing not. to do. No. But I'm not don't think about it from the perspective of these car manufacturers kind of are are trying to become that way for business purposes. Think about it from No, you know, it, what is a it, consumer going to put up with today? No, yeah, it it'll It'll never go back to the way it was to the simplistic vehicle that you and I maybe saw the tail end of. Um, right. It'll never go back to that. The unfortunately, the the auto buyer now wants more gimmick crap in their vehicles more than ever. You know, gimmick, but also some of it is truly helpful and an yeah. I mean, and, and there are things in you know. My car, I'd consider high tech that I love very like, much, but like there I are some would, things in there I don't need. I can buy any car of the 21st century and be comfortable that it is going to give me all of the technology that I need. Uh huh. Especially post like 2015. Well, no, here's the thing though post 2000, you have doubled in CD yeah. based. Yep systems that you can replace with a carplay system with a touchscreen and bluetooth Mm -hmm. so i can have a bluetooth phone and carplay in my 1999 ford f-250 with a bulletproof legendary 
7.3 power stroke. Yeah. <laughs> a friend of mine has it in his, I, yeah. shoot, I don't even know if it's 2500s or 2000s. <laughs> like, yeah. it might be but, a 90s. Yeah, but, well, mine was a 90s. But uh, the yeah. point being, like, it has a super bulletproof powertrain. It's not very comfortable. The steering is not very good. The suspension's not very good. They did improve over time. It was very loud, but it worked for me. And at the time, that's what fit my budget. Right. And now I have a 2015 F250 that has a more powerful engine. It's a more refined interior. It's more comfortable. And I can't get CarPlay in it unless I spend $4,000 to upgrade from Sync 2 to Sync 3, Ford Sync. Ew, yeah. But I could also piggyback on the system, but it's not very good for like $1,300, and you still have to take the dash out. Or I could put a sticky... Uh, suction cup on the windshield and hang my phone right there. <laughs> yeah, I would just stick <laughs> and just to the Bluetooth that. that's in it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. So I use the Bluetooth audio and phone that's in the truck because it is actually very good quality. And then I just use Google Maps on my phone. Yeah. And that's that. But it is super, super interesting to me the fact that my 99 technically had better tech than my 2015. Right. Yeah. But that every car I can do that in, my, my 2009 M3. It's sketchy. It doesn't always work, but I technically have CarPlay in that. <laughs> it's not a very good system. It kicks off the Bluetooth once a month, but hey, it's good enough. The The microphone, we didn't mount in a good place at all. People can't hear me unless I switch back to the <laughs> car Bluetooth, which I'm glad it has. But basically, you see my point that it's not hard to get the technology that we really appreciate in cars today for way less money. I have. A, oh, yeah. I have a $2,000, basically, Camry, 127,000 miles. The interior is nice. It's super comfortable. The AC blows cold. The stereo works. Leather power seats. And I could put a CarPlay unit in that with a backup camera, and it would give me everything I wanted. I don't feel like I'd be missing very much. Maybe adaptive cruise control and uh oh, I hate it. I hate the adaptive. Really? Can you turn it, it off in your car? Yeah, it you can, but mine's like touchy. Like, you, like if I set it to like one car length, it's still like three car lengths. Oh yeah, it doesn't <laughs> yeah. know what a car length is. Yeah, that's the same with the Tesla. But anyways, okay. So back to the question, which I think we clearly don't have a good answer to, is <laughs> you know how much software is the right amount of software to put in cars where you don't have this problem of being I, unable I, to comply with right to repair. I would call my twenty one S four perfect. In that regards, it's got just enough. I think it has too much 8S. Well, that too, yeah. But like, I can turn that off. Okay, you you can. Yeah, I can That's turn good. it off. Uh, but like, I wouldn't want to go any further. Like, you see some of these crazy cars that, like, I think it's the BMWs have those, like, wrap around digital clusters. Mm-hmm. Like, well, but it's okay. just... here's something interesting is my uh my parents have a 2018 Volvo XC60 mm-hmm. that has a speed limit detection it has lane departure warning it has blind spot warning it has a backup camera it has rear cr- cross traffic warnings um and it has adaptive cruise control and steering assist mhm so that car annoys me because you can't change lanes without putting your turn signal on which, you know i'm a bmw driver so that's why that's a thing for me i understand but the point remains sometimes you need to make evasive maneuvers between lanes on the freeway if somebody randomly slams on the brakes and not in front have of your you, car which fight does you. happen and yeah. not have your car fight you so is that really a safety item or is it just it's what it's doing is it's saying lowest common denominator is somebody who's going to fall asleep at the wheel and drift. Yeah. Drift off to sleep and drift out of their lane. And we're going to keep that from happening because we're going to vibrate the seat and the steering wheel and pull you back into your lane. And then you're going to wake up. Mm-hmm. So is, is that who we should be catering to? Or is it somebody who's a competent driver that's aware of what they're doing and not falling asleep at the wheel who shouldn't have gotten in the driver's seat in the first place. So instead we're catering to somebody who's skilled and capable of getting out of the way and we give them a more responsive steering system. (laughs) So it's, 
yeah, that's where we got to be really careful with a lot of this software that's just being released so fast into cars. And, you know, this isn't Facebook where Facebook goes down for an hour. The world doesn't end. It might today, but back when they had those problems a lot in the super buggy days of Facebook, it would go down. Instagram Mm -hmm. would go down. LinkedIn would go down. And you had no way of accessing everything that you were doing. Right. Just wait until they like have like all electric cars and it's all all set up, you know, ignition like to turn on and go into a database. And then that database gets hacked like MGM is getting hacked right now. And everything's down for a week on end. Yeah. Imagine that. That's the kind of vulnerability that these guys, GM and Stellantis, are trying to prevent with not complying with right to repair. Yeah, good luck with that. The lizard men yeah. will still get in. Yeah, so so it's going to be a battle. It's crazy to think about, really, that we've got these software companies slash car makers that are moving fast and breaking things, but the implications around cars and the reality of cars is that they are big hunks of metal that transport people around. It, they are extremely vital to our society's success. They have massive safety risk concerns and they're extremely expensive and they're a huge part of American society. Mm-hmm. You put all that together. I don't want to screw around with experimental software. If you're going to put it in a car, it better be bulletproof because we're at a point where the engines are bulletproof, where the interiors can be made bulletproof. These like car engineering today is at a really good point with all the stuff that was released 20 years ago right. that didn't work. That's why you don't see 2002 S classes anymore or 2000. You do see 2002 seven series, but none of the interior stuff works. The engine works. <laughs> um, but, and you don't like the 2008 seven series, you don't see those anymore because they're so technologically advanced and they were so cutting edge for their time that they just couldn't survive. But now that's every car maker, not just the top of the range, you know, Mercedes S-Class and BMW 7 Series and Range Rovers. I, like those I, don't last. I can't imagine owning my S4 for 10 years. Exactly. Because I, I, I can't imagine. Infinity for two years and stuff was breaking on it. My brand yeah. new Infinity. Yeah, like. I'm I'm concerned about what year five looks like. And right. Like, how like, long let have alone you got 10. it since 2021? Yeah, right? I'm going Post. into... Yeah, this is my third summer with it, so... Has anything actually gone wrong as far as software yeah. or yeah. anything else? I, I had a yeah. software recall on it. Specifically well, okay. for so, a backup camera that screwed <laughs> up the entire system. It, it, it would lock me wow. out of CarPlay. It would lock me out of my, my microphone. It would hmm. lock me out of my GPS system. It was a nightmare. They, and yeah. they called it they called it a safety recall for the backup camera and they did it and everything went back to normal like it was a brand new car. I'm like, oh, that's interesting. And you paid a lot of money for that thing. Uh-huh. It's not supposed to just break. Yeah. <laughs> after like, a year and a half. Yeah, it was it was dumb. Yeah. So, so dumb. Anyways, now that we've bashed on car manufacturers for an entire episode, I think we should wrap it up there. <laughs> <laughs> Uh, Dan, if people want to express their opinions to you or angrily opinionate on your opinions, opine on your opinions, where can they do that? Yeah, if you want to tell me I'm an idiot and have no idea what I'm talking about, <laughs> please please let me know. I'm Dan LaRue on Facebook and LinkedIn. Uh, that's where I will respond to uh, the most. And then uh, Dan underscore LaRue on Instagram and the LaRue on TikTok. And we are expecting a TikTok in nine days. Yeah. On September 23rd. Uh huh. Okay. Mark your calendars, everybody. <laughs> Mark your calendars. Okay. Uh, we're build, and, we're and building I, it up. We're building the story. Good. <laughs> <laughs> and I am at Arun D. Kumar on Instagram. And I'm there all day, every day, posting opinionated stories and stuff about my life and how I'm being driven. And. I'm also on Facebook and LinkedIn posting promotions about the podcast, which you're currently listening to. So you probably don't need to go there. But if you want to see if I'm posting anything else, you can head on over. 
Anything else, Dan? No, nothing for me other than oh, how's good. the Driven Network. You want? Do you want to talk about it? Yeah, we can talk about it. We talked this week about how passion is the only way to reach success. And we talked about car theft. Oh yeah. And how <laughs> that's a good story. It. Yeah. And we talked about we talked about how you may have significant firepower in your house to prevent car theft, but if you don't wake up, it means nothing. <laughs> you get and we also know if you live in the middle of nowhere, your car still can get stolen. <laughs> yeah. So that was unfortunate. But as the Driven Network grows, maybe we will continue to find a network of enforcers around the country and the world <laughs> who can help Andy find his car. <laughs> that thing's gone. So, it's in a lake somewhere already. <laughs> that's so sad. Yeah, that thing is long uh, gone. Okay. Well, anyways, that's all we got for today. We appreciate you listening. Please go ahead and leave a review and share with your friends if you like this. And until next time, stay driven. Oh,